This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Third and long, it's third and seven, and Foles is ripped to the ground. Daniil Hunter. All right, Matthew Collar and Courtney Cronin back in here for Judd Zolgad and Phil Mackey. Uh, we have breaking news. The Vikings agreeing to a contract extension with Daniil Hunter. And as soon as we know what the terms are, we will let you know. And this is a big one, Courtney. This Huge. is a big one. I thought that there was a chance Daniil Hunter would not sign a contract extension because if he hit the open market, he could be looking at $18 million a year to get him wrapped up considering his age, his production so far, uh, and also what that might say about the next extension that could come, Stephon Diggs or Anthony Barr. I mean, this is... This is an important one to get him locked up. You know, I think the the emphasis that this league and that Mike Zimmer specifically places on his pass rushers and just how productive Daniil has been the first three seasons of his career, this one was a necessary one. You don't, you never want somebody like this where you're just seeing the cusp of how good he's going to be. I mean, we saw it in 2016 when he had, um, you know, his highest sack total at 12 and a half and then kind of a slow start to get off to in 2017, but still finish the season, you know, with seven sacks and was tremendously productive off the edge. You want to lock these guys up. Everson Griffin's getting up there. I mean, as he continues to progress in age, you want to have your next option always available. And to me, you know, this is probably your safer bet than franchise tagging him. And then he hits the open market a year later. I still thought Anthony Barr would have been the next in line, me too. but this comes kind of a lot sooner than we thought it would. You know, typically, at least in the last year or so, when the Vikings are doing these extensions a year ahead of time, it came for, you know, Everson Griffin, for for Xavier Rhodes, for Linville Joseph. It came right around training camp. So the fact that they're getting these done now, um, Eric Kendricks back in April, now Daniil Hunter, uh, makes me think that this is not the last one we're going to see before they head to uh, training camp in the end of July. That's what I thought, too. I I thought we would be sitting here just sort of twiddling our thumbs, waiting around for one of these extensions to happen. But having it happen now gives them ample time to start negotiating or continue negotiating with the others. I will be really interested to find out how much they're going to pay Daniil Hunter. Do you have it? From Tom Palacero of NFL Network, they're saying Daniil's going to sign a five-year contract extension that's going to be about $14 million a year. So that that's huge. That's a great that, that, deal. That's a top 10, that's a top 10 figure right yeah. there. And for the Vikings, that, at least my understanding today, last time I checked, they had about, they were just under $18 million on the cap So uh, for 2018. So that, to me, is that's a huge figure of somebody you're putting a lot of 
your franchise's stake into going forward, just knowing what the heck next year's going to be when Kirk Cousins' hit goes up and then you might be restructuring a few more deals in there. This is certainly something where th- this is this is big money. But I mean, not surprised I at think all. They got a good deal for him. And it's amazing to me how this organization, even though it's going to be top 10 money in five years, it won't be top 10 money. In five years, they could be paying edge rushers $25 million. I mean, considering how quickly the cap goes up in the NFL and these salaries have gone through the roof, to have him here now at 23 years old, you get his entire prime at a very reasonable price. Hunter, I, I think what, what, what ends up happening with these guys, and, and this was with Xavier Rhodes too, is... They like playing for the Vikings. They're a successful team. They've got this defense they want to keep together. The locker room is really good with this team. And I think they go to these guys and say, so um, you could cash in right now and just take life-changing money and it will be awesome for you. Or you can just wait and see. And maybe if you get hurt or something, or maybe nobody wants to sign you for the money that you're going to want or whatever. Or maybe you'll just have to change teams and it won't be this good. And also, by the way, we picked you in the third round and turned you into this level of a superstar. And that's been enticing for these guys. It's been enticing for Xavier Rhodes or for Linval Joseph to sign an extension or for Daniil Hunter. And to have him set now for five years. uh, Any concern from you about the dip in sacks last year from 12.5 to 7? No, because as Mike Zimmer always talks about, sacks don't tell the whole story. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you had a lot of production from one side of the line with Everson Griffin, and his numbers obviously dipped with the plantar fasciitis he was fighting through. Um, And that's kind of where Daniil's numbers went up. So I think there was a nice competitive balance on both sides of the line. And even this year... You get more of a push from the interior when you bring Sheldon Richardson in to, you know, be next to Linville Joseph and obviously on one side with Daniil Hunter at the end. I'm not really concerned with it that much because we saw it was a slow start. But once he started getting those sacks, what was it like week? Was it Detroit? It was like week four, five, six, somewhere in there. It was a steady progression from there, and I wasn't, I you know, 12 and a half was an anomaly, and, and you kind of expect those numbers to go up and down. To me, the sack number itself, and maybe this is why they did this for Daniil Hunter, because when you're sitting down with Anthony Barr's agent um, and trying to trying to find out what kind of deal he's going to get as, you know, an outside linebacker who primarily in the last few years hasn't rushed the passer that much, doesn't have those sack numbers, maybe that's where they're placing the importance. And that's the thing that comes with this is just now what with Stephon Diggs and Anthony Barr. So you've got Eric Hendricks locked up five years, 50. You've got Daniil Hunter locked up five years, $14 million a year, which if he gets back to that 10 sacks a year, I mean, this, this would be one of the best deals you could ever ask for, for that price, because edge rushers are going for so much more than that. And with the sacks, you're, I'm right with you with that, where it'll bounce. You look at almost anybody, even the greatest pass rushers of all time will have some years where they have 14 and some years where they have nine or eight. And they're just as good from year to year. Probably who you play against makes a difference. What quarterbacks you go against, all those things. And Everson Griffin's been great for a long time. And last year, it just kind of came together for him to get 14 and a half. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if Hunter goes back up for his sack total next year. The fact that he's only 23 years old is such a big part of this. But now, Stefan Diggs, Anthony Barr, 
Is Diggs the guy that's going to wait and see, do you think? Unfortunately, yes. I, I do think that. I think he will be the odd man out. Um, and as we've talked about multiple times here and on the Purple Podcast, it's because of the rest of the situation that you have among your receiving core. What are you going to do with Adam Thielen if you give Diggs a Jarvis Landry-type deal where he's making anywhere from 13 to $15 million a year? Mm-hmm. You have to restructure. It becomes... An issue. If I'm if I'm Kirk Cousins, I'm vouching for that. If I'm anybody else on the offensive side of the ball, do you see the importance of that? Why would you risk? You know, you bring Kirk Cousins into a situation now where he can get comfortable in this offense. He has two of the he has the best wide receiver duo in the NFL. Why would you take one of those pieces away and have him start over, especially regardless of how this year goes? It might start off rocky. It might start off great. It might end rocky. It might end great. I think you want to keep that continuity, and to me, that's the issue there. Where he he said, you know, he likes Minnesota. He's had a lot of really good moments here in his career, but he's going to be commanding top dollar if he has another explosive season. If he can play all sixteen games, if he goes over a thousand yards, if he's in, you know, competitive in Pro Bowl voting, and even makes the Pro Bowl. I mean, he he's a he's a working his way to becoming a household name in the NFL right now among young successful receivers. His ceiling is so high, the Vikings, in my opinion, should lock him up now before you get to that. But I just don't think it's going to happen. If you're Diggs and you're counting on playing with a better quarterback in an offense with an exciting offensive coordinator, John Filippo, and you're thinking, could I get 90 catches or could I get 80 catches if we're going to throw the ball all the time? I mean, you're talking about huge, huge money. On the open market, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's the one that doesn't decide uh, to sign the extension. But if they're able to sign Anthony Barr, you could always then franchise tag Stephon Diggs and keep this team together. I mean, that's the that's the amazing part about the way this team is handled at salary cap is when you look around at teams who have paid quarterbacks big, it usually ends up hurting them in some way or another. But with this team, they are very close to signing Kirk Cousins for the $30 million and then being able to keep all the other stars that they have. I mean, that would be an incredible feat of cap management if they were able to do that. And one note on his contract, NFL Network also reporting that it's a five-year, $72 million extension. That's $40 million in guaranteed money. Okay. I'm, that's... And that's a $15 million signing bonus, which... Capologist wise, putting my capologist hat on, you can spread that out. You can. I've always taken you for a capologist. I mean, I kind of look like one, right? Yeah, you've got that. Me and me and Rob Brzezinski crunching the numbers. Um, That's a smart move because of some of the cap restrictions that they face in the next few years, really the next you know two years with Kirk Cousins' deal, which can handicap the rest of these deals. I mean, you might not see. The way the roster looks now, I mean, it's certainly going to look a lot different next year just because of the financials. So I think this is a smart move. Um, This was the one I just wasn't expecting to happen right now. I honestly thought that this would have been a franchise tag deal just like the Cowboys did to Marcus Florence. So, you know, the importance that they're placing on their pass rushers is just huge. And this is not surprising given how much Mike Zimmer, you know, just the emphasis with that defense that these are the defensive deals are the ones that are going to get done first. Daniil Hunter again, five year extension, fourteen million dollars per year, according to our old friend from NFL Network, Tom Pelissero, Matt and Courtney in for Mackie and Judd. 
Sit tight. The Mackie and Judd Show will continue in a moment. We'll be back in the game before you know it. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. All right, people, let's get ready. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios on 1500 ESPN. 1500 ESPN has your chance to win your way into the X Games. Check out the 1500 ESPN stream player and listen on air for ticket giveaways. X Games Minneapolis returns to U.S. Bank Stadium July 19th through the 22nd, featuring competition from the greatest action sports athletes, musical performances by Cascade, Brother Ali, Ice Cube, and Zed Plus X-Fest and the X-Fest Interactive Village. More details at 1500ESPN.com. Keyword events. All right, so Daniil Hunter is locked up to a long-term contract extension. And how about this? We have the Purple Podcast in here for Mackie and Judd, Matthew Collar, along with ESPN's Courtney Cronin. And now our eyes turn to Anthony Barr and Stefan Diggs. You have the choice, Courtney. Who would you resign first, and how much would you pay them? If you had your choice, you only get one. Diggs or Barr, how much? Diggs, without question. I mean, to me, this is that might be a franchise altering move to keep him here, to keep him and, you know, use your cap space that you have currently, you know, with what. Daniel Hunter's going to be making. It's going to be really only enough room to do one of one more. And I think with keeping Diggs and Thielen together for Cousins, the investment that you made in this quarterback, give him his weapons. Um, if he can stay healthy, if he, I mean, he, he's, he's been productive playing 12, 13 games a season. If he can stay healthy and not deal with any more of the groin issues, if he can play all 16 games and, you know, you're getting huge numbers from him I and mean, big production. This, I would, I would anticipate this is a year that he's going over a thousand yards, regardless, because he can stay healthy. This is somebody I would pay anywhere from the thirteen to sixteen million range. Good wide receivers and their value now, and I think you see it with the Mike Evans extension, where what was it eighty five million mm-hmm. and fifty five guaranteed. I think you see what their value is. I mean, we talk all the time. You hear all the football men go. It's a passing league out there today, but it really is. And when you have someone like Diggs who's as versatile as he is, where in one season he's their slot wide receiver and he succeeds that way, and then the next year they move Thielen to the slot more often and he's playing outside and he can get open any time and led the NFL in contested catches last year, bailed out. Case Keenum many, many times. times. Many, many, many times. times. And he could have had more. I mean, there, remember that Green Bay game at Green yes. Bay? Keenum underthrew two or three balls to him that could have been long touchdowns. And his, I think his stats would have been even higher had they played with Sam Bradford for the entire year and, and were more focused on um, throwing intermediate routes and, and more challenging throws that Sam Bradford could make. So your expectation now is that he's going to make Kirk Cousins better and Cousins' role in this is important for me because he's got to have everything going his way for them to be a Super Bowl contender. He's got to have all the weapons. He's got to have all the wide receivers. He's got to have Delvin Cook playing well. He's got to have the offensive line playing well, and on and on. Um, So I look at him as being much more valuable than Anthony Barr. Anthony Barr doesn't pick up a lot of sacks. He's a successful pass rusher when he goes after the passer. But, but that's not been his role since he's here. I mean, he did right. it. You take a look at his numbers from 2012 to 2013, where he had 23 and a half sacks, his junior, you know, his final years at UCLA. Why? 
I just was kind of confused as to why that didn't become a role in this defense. I mean, you saw his stat numbers, what, four his first season, and they've diminished ever since then. Why has he not been placed in a situational pass rushing role? I mean, I understand with, you know, the way the Vikings play their defense, they're in their nickel about 70% of the time, and what his role in that is. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel like you're, you know, handicapping him in a way by making him not play that role. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and I think that might change. 11% was the amount that he rushed the passer. Only eleven percent, and he's good. I mean, he played really well last year uh, in a few games that were memorable against Chicago. He was big uh, against Pittsburgh. He was really good chasing down Le'Veon Bell. It's not that he's he's not a good player. It's when you have a linebacker who doesn't pick up sacks and isn't a main pass rusher, like you said, um, is that really going to be worth more money than they already gave to Eric Hendricks, which was five years, fifty million? And I don't generally think that it is. If he's a very similar player to Eric Hendricks and he wants more money, then sorry, man. I think we can replace that position next to Kendricks and they can even play more dime packages and and use more defensive backs and focus more on on shutting down the pass. They have such a great front four that they're going to be able to manage things for the most part. So I, I think if they ultimately have to let somebody go, it probably is Anthony Barr considering just where the positional value is. Yeah, I mean... As we said, they're, they're gonna, they're, this is the one that they've talked about all spring. Barr doesn't come to the first week of OTAs because he they don't get the deal done ahead of time, which he was hoping. And he goes out, gets the insurance policy. So he wants to be here. There's no indication that he doesn't, he wants to, you know, whatever, like, you know, play out his fifth year option, let him test the market. He wants to be here. This is a good fit for him. I think we're going to see a different role from him. We started to see flashes of it in minicamp where they were playing him more outside in, um, you know, having him come off the edge a little bit more. He's good at that. I just don't know why it's taken this long to experiment with that a little bit more. And, you know, come training camp in a month from now, we're probably going to be seeing a lot more of that situational edge rushing uh, from him just to expand that skill set. Because if you're going to make the money of an Alec Ogletree or a Vontez Burfecht, you know, those are guys who, I mean, in that, what are they, in the 13-ish million dollar range, you got to see more from him because I just think they're going to be pointing the sack numbers, even though they don't tell the whole story of how good a player is. But to want to be able to command that in his worth for a guy who doesn't rush the passer that much, I mean, I think that that's what you have to do. And when you look at even the pro football focus grades and things like that, they mostly have him as last year, 2016, not great at all. And I think we'd all agree on that. But aside from really his first year, just pretty good. And pretty good is not really worth uh, that much money when you've got this crunch. If there, were, if you went through this whole process, got Cousins, got Diggs locked up, got Hunter locked up, got Kendricks lo- locked up, and the only person you didn't come to a deal with was Anthony Barr, I think you walk that- away feeling okay. This is this is fine. We have, and and it's no slight on Barr. It's just the value for the cap space that you're going to have after this. They said they were 18 million under the cap. Um, to what that becomes now, I think that just financially it's smarter. Um, so Tony Romo said something really interesting yes. about the Packers offseason as the Vikings continue theirs today by re-signing Daniel Hunter. And we're going to get into it a little bit with Jason Wildey later in the show, but I want to hear what you think of what Tony Romo 
who has uh, become very popular as a broadcaster, what he said about the Packers. And with this news of the Vikings locking up Daniel Hunter, what we think about Tony Romo's comment. Matthew Collar, Courtney Cronin, in for Mackie and Judd. It feels like they're only going to be able to re-sign one of the two, doesn't it? Don't, yeah. Don't you have that feeling? Because they were 18 million. The yeah, they were 18 million under the cap right now, and with Hunter's numbers, where he's going to be getting about 14 million a year, um, and having to work that out with a 15 million dollar signing bonus, one feels. I mean, one it's one's a push, but they've made this work. I mean, Rob Brzezinski has done some pretty tremendous work. Mike Zimmer, I think, called him a wizard or a genius. Uh, back a few months ago. So, I mean, it's they've got their work cut out for them to make one more of these happen. And kind of in some of the recent comments, I know there was an SI article where Anthony Barr was interviewed and he said, you know, with the contract situation, he's been very much remaining the same with us, uh, you know, when we talk to him in OTAs and everything else where, you know, regardless of his role changing and all of that with the contract talks, it's that's on them. It's not on me. I mean, he's done, really, he's done his part in showing up to mandatory minicamp and showing up to OTAs minus the first week. I mean, it's all voluntary at that point. He would have been fine had he not come to mini, fined had he not been come to minicamp, uh, had he not come to minicamp. But there's, there's something in me that thinks that there might be a little bit of tension there. It's felt that way since Zimmer said about him that he was coasting in 2016, that even going into last year and talking with Barr last year, of course, he had the Aaron Rodgers thing, and he was sort of defensive about that a little bit because he didn't feel like it was a dirty hit. The NFL agreed with him, but of course, you don't just move on from those things. And I, I remember him tweeting all the you know, threats he was getting from people and people calling him names from Wisconsin and all that stuff. And, and that has nothing to do with how he feels about uh, now. It's just sort of there, there has been some tension around him and how much he's worth is an interesting debate. Because a linebacker like him in 1993 or something would have been like, oh, dude, you got to keep him. I mean, this guy, he's a he's a monster and he's making tackles in the run game. and He could cover the running backs out of the backfield and you would play three linebackers in the game at all times. Now, though, where everybody throws so often, you just don't feel like you need to have him. And if you were going to lose one piece off of the entire starting lineup on the defense, you wouldn't want it to be Harrison Smith or something, right? One significant player. You wouldn't want it to be one of the, de- the defensive ends. You wouldn't want it to be Xavier Rhodes. You would probably pick the linebacker because it just doesn't have that much of an impact. I mean, think about how good they were on defense in 2016, and Barr had a very poor year. It just didn't make that much of a difference. But when you look at, with Stephon Diggs, the type of impact he had on Case Keenum, uh, Case Keenum, when he was throwing to Stephon Diggs, had a 119 quarterback rating. It was the second highest of any receiver, like when he was targeted in the entire NFL. Mm-hmm. Like he had a huge impact on the quarterback, which is how you win. And I see it as almost no argument for which guy should be paid first. You'd think, let's go back a few months ago, before they signed Kirk Cousins, we were wondering, can they do this? Can they have Cousins? Can they have all four of these guys that were due extensions are coming due. You think back then, Barr is the first one you get done just because you can lower his cap number. It's like $12.3 million, um with a fifth-year option and that it gives you some cap flexibility if you were to extend him now, bring his number down for 2018, and then, you know, moving forward. Now, 
given the order. It seems like kind of, I thought Hunter jumped at least one or two spots in terms of the pecking order of mm-hmm. how these contracts are going to get done. It's starting to feel like Barr could potentially be the odd man out, despite everything that's been said. Um, and kind of that vote of confidence it feels like he has with the Vikings that, okay, show up to camp, or show up to OTA, show up to minicamp, be here for training camp, don't stage a holdout. You have our you have our word. And this is this obviously all speculation, but this is kind of what it felt like that we're going to get something done. Just hang on. We're I mean, it's not exactly the timing that he wanted, but hang on on that on to that because you should be able to be here much longer if it's a place that you want to be. Now I'm not so sure just in terms of financial figures that they are going to be able to get him done when Diggs is the better value for right now because you lock him up now. You're not you. You might not be paying the 15 million. You could pay him around 10 to 12 if you do it now before he explodes onto this onto the on in this year with Kirk with Kirk Cousins. Um, to me, that's that's definitely one that seems like the smarter option of the two, and that bar let him play out maybe his fifth year option, see where it goes from there. If you're right, if uh, they were able to get digs done now, you could potentially save a lot of money from what it would be if he had a, a big year. And that, that becomes of the utmost importance. And if you get bar done, then okay, that's great. But I think you really have to focus on digs. Also wouldn't blame digs for betting on himself, considering where he's going to fit uh, in this offense. $72 million reported for Daniil Hunter. If you missed that five year contract extension for him, still we wait on Anthony Barr and Stefan Diggs. If you haven't heard that news. So I keep thinking about this Vikings team and. What I'm looking for, maybe I'll be Judd-like in my uh, approach here. What I keep thinking about is how hard this team might be for us to talk about because they're so good. So it's like they're so talented from top to bottom. Last year it was Case Keenum we could focus on quite a bit. 2016, there were lots of bumps in the road, all sorts of things to talk about. And this year, I mean, Cousins is going to get a lot of the focus. But even if he's not quite as good as some people want him to be, they're still going to win. And he's still good. He's still a good NFL quarterback. And, and we've all, we all kind of agree on this. Like, what are we going to talk about with this team? What is going to be the thing that we end up debating or arguing over? Last year was so interesting to come in every week and be like, so Keenum just had another great game, and what do you got to say for yourself? And for me, it was like, well, it's still, I think it could still fall apart eventually. There were a lot just, of people who didn't want to hear that. They, no, they didn't, but it was it was a fun conversation, though. Even though some people were really behind him or some people really didn't believe in him, that's what made it fun. With this team, I sit here as they re-sign Daniel Hunter, and we look at just how the NFC is going to play out, and I'm like, I wonder what it is that we're going to end up arguing over because right now, I think almost everyone is on the same page. Like This team is just really excellent from top to bottom. I mean, the only thing you can argue over at that point um, are the holes in this team. And, and to me, the most glaring one that could easily be a downfall is the offensive line. That's the top storyline going into camp. It's not... You know, is Cousins going to be able to connect with his receivers? Is it going to be seamless, as Mike Zimmer said, in the transition on offense and learning the playbook? That takes time. That is expected. That is what we knew going into this. I think with the offensive line, it's still 
such a conundrum of what happens when you have an $84 million quarterback who you want to protect, but you don't know what the starting five looks like. And this team has dealt with injuries and dealt with so many issues along this group um, the last two, you know, two seasons. 2016, pr- prime example of it. Mm-hmm. What happened in the NFC Championship game last year? A big collapse among the, uh, you know, injuries to Pat Elfline, but even before that, a lot of issues on the offensive line, and you're fixing, you're finishing the game with a skeleton crew. Um, that to me, I think we're just going to be pointing to that. I mean, it's, it's all relative in this big umbrella of Kirk Cousins is the storyline of the season. He was the biggest free agent acquisition, uh, in this offseason, but he is the story. But it's not him alone. It's the ancillary pieces that make him good. You know, so if we're seeing Diggs and Thielen, an explosive season from them, that's the storyline. It doesn't necessarily just become Kirk Cousins in, in a in a vacuum. It's how these guys all fit into the equation and how they make him a better quarterback and take his game really to the level where he is back. He's backed by the monies or needs that level of good. Definitely could become debatable if he doesn't perform as well as we expect him to. Then it will be like, uh, hey, $84 million quarterback, what's the deal? And the offensive line will go back to that draft night over and over and over again if the offensive line isn't good. That's something that you could see being a big debate. Uh, Dave, question for you as a how you've, – you've always lived in Minnesota, right? I have. Okay, lifelong Minnesotan that you are. Mm-hmm. Um, so how many times in your life have you gone into a Viking season – and you've said, like, yeah, they should really win the Super Bowl. Gone into the season? Like, right now in June, on my birthday, there was Little Dave or Medium-Sized Dave mm-hmm. or Full-Sized Dave. Julius Caesar Dave. Julius Caesar Dave. <laughs> like, so on my birthday, at the end of June or early July, your pre-training camp, have you ever sat there and thought, like, yeah, they should really win the Super Bowl. That should be what happens this year. Well, being a lifelong Minnesotan, you don't ever yeah, say okay, the Vikings that's right. should that's win right. the Super Bowl. That's ridiculous. That's right. But could that win was, the Super that Bowl. That was really the the true expectation of the fan base. How many times has that ever happened? Because I, I feel like in '98, it, it it was way better than you would have expected. Oh, yes. going to that. Nobody knew it was coming in '98 when Randy arrived. '99, however, you were thinking, "Well, we just went 15 and one, blew right. our shot at the Super Bowl. Right. Everybody's back. Randall Cunningham's going to be. Oh, oh, wait, he's terrible again. So we'll go to Jeff George. Uh, but yeah, at '99, going into that season, it was Super Bowl or bust. Same thing. I want to say second year of Brett Favre. 2010. Yes, 2010, after losing uh, the NFC Championship game to the Saints in that fashion. And we all saw what happened that year, that, 2010. Yeah, that turned out to be a bleep show. Yes. Um, I, I wonder if, I mean, in the 90s, you never would have had that. I mean, no, earlier 90s. No. It would have been It was like, always one and done with Denny Green. It was a pretty decent team, 8-8, eight 10-6. Eight, Sean Salisbury. Yeah, we'll be all right. Right. Jim McMahon shows up at one point. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. you, you rarely would have felt like this is this Even is the a, Warren Moon years. This is a very rare thing for Vikings fans. You all you probably have to go back to like Fran Tarkington to have Vikings fans feeling like going into training camp, we have an argument for the best team in the league and anything short of the Super Bowl is disappointing. Yeah. It's and pretty I, rare. I think as Viking fan this year, you're probably thinking, well, but geez. Aaron Rodgers is coming back to the Packers, and 
It's not like the Eagles got worse. So, yeah, you got a shot. I think it's Vikings fans thinking, you know, certainly not should win, but should definitely compete, which probably means, like in the previous two examples, 5-11. and 11. Well, that was, that was the other thing that came to mind is like the last two times you had these amazing seasons. <laughs> it's such a disaster. I don't think it's going that way this I year. I don't think so either. Um, you went on defense, right? All right, back here at 1500 ESPN. Matthew Collar in for Phil Mackey and Judd Zolga. Daniil Hunter signing a five-year contract extension. Courtney Cronin of ESPN out at TCO Performance Center. Courtney, how are things? Things are great. Uh, How's the show been without me for the last 45 minutes? Uh, We found out that Dan Hayes of The Athletic has Allen Iverson as his birthday bro, and I've been raging with jealousy ever since. So that's that's how it's going. I I wish Coolio doesn't even, like, begin to scratch the surface of having Coolio. We we were trying to remember who yours were, Coolio. Coolio and Madison Bumgarner and Austin Rivers. Okay, the the athletes are pretty boring, but Coolio's not bad. Um, No. It's my hope to one day get parodied by Weird Ale, so um, <laughs> Coolio achieved that. Uh, when it comes to Daniil Hunter, what is the scuttlebutt about why he was able to get this deal done so quickly? Well, I think it's honestly what we talked about earlier, the value that this franchise and this ownership puts on its pass rushers. Just got off a phone call uh, with Mike Zimmer. He's probably down at the ranch right now. Uh, just talking about kind of why and what, uh, the why and the what of this whole thing. And you think back to where they had Daniil Hunter 2015 when he was drafted. He had, didn't really have a lot of sack numbers coming out of LSU, was very much considered a raw prospect. And in this time, he has become the model for the type of players that they want to get later in the draft. And I think that there's you know reason to reward that. Um Zimmer told a really interesting story that uh, kind of speaks to just the development. Because I asked him, I was like, you get Daniel in, he's kind of raw. And then he explodes in that second year and had a really good first three years. Uh, were you surprised by it? And I guess one day during his dad, uh, Greg Ellis, who had played for him at one point, uh, down, uh, down to you know, training camp and said, you know, well, what do you think about some of these young guys? Um, and, you know, just, you know, what, do you, what they're stealing and all that. And the guy he, that Ellis had compared Hunter to was DeMarcus Ware. And he's like, no way. Like, you know, that's, you know, somebody obviously he played with, somebody Zimmer knows quite well, but that's who he was projecting him, um, him as, you know, from an early standpoint. So, I mean, to me, that's, that, that speaks volumes of the type of player that they have. And the fact of the matter is, this is a five year contract. He's going to be 28, like in the, you know, really in the beginning of his true prime. He's still, you know, so young in this. And we don't know where his feeling is because he's barely even scratching the surface right now. ESPN's Courtney Cronin out at TCO Performance Center talking about uh, Daniil Hunter's five-year contract extension. And I think we're all just on board with Hunter getting extended. I was a little surprised it came this fast. I thought there might be more negotiating throughout. And I I had a back and forth with with somebody just about whether this is a good or, or bad deal and all the things that comes along with it. Dave and I were talking about it here. Just, you know, from Hunter's standpoint, he could have earned a lot more money if he had hit the free agent market but decides to stay now, why do you think that he decided to do this deal already? 
Well, very much so. He's like, I want to get this done. He's like, he did it. He knew the conversations were happening in the beginning of the spring off season. He said, I want this over with. He didn't want this hanging over his head going into this season. Um, and, and yeah, he very easily could have been, you know, the Vikings are not going to want to let him go regardless of whether it was now or later using, you know, the extension money they had for an extension or the franchise tag, which would have been about 18 million next year. He was still going to get paid either way. Um, for him, I think he, he likes the unit that he's been part of. He likes the coaching staff that has taken him from a very raw prospect who left college a year early to where he's at right now, you know, on the cusp of probably a Pro Bowl at some point soon and really becoming one of the premier younger edge rushers in, in the league. So I think for, for guys like this, and we saw it last year when they, you know, awarding guys contracts and big deals and lucrative, you know, a lot of money, a year ahead of time, um, I think is really speaks volumes to how this organization treats its players and wants to, you know, really stay in the good graces of guys where it's like, okay, we're going to reward you. And that's an incentive for guys to A, stay motivated and B, um, you know, continue to try to get that next big deal because gosh, you take a look at where Daniel's at right now. He's going to be 28 when this is over. Um, at least his first deal, there's more extensions and, you know, more contracts, whether it's with the Vikings or elsewhere in his future. And I, I think it has to matter to these guys, uh, uh, just the stability that they have, the coach they have, they know who it's going to be, the defensive line coach, they know who it's going to be, the TCO performance center that they just built has to all factor into these things, I would think. So how much does everything that plays into it for these other guys to sign deals like Kendricks and like Hunter, how much will that help them in getting deals done for Anthony Barr and Stephon Diggs, do you think? This is the first time I have heard Rick Spielman say we're going to try to keep everybody. Um, I remember sitting down with him right after free agency and and trying to get that exact, trying to get him to say something along those lines, um, and he really wouldn't bite on it at that point. There's, there's, they've been in talks with both of their agents. They want to keep this team together. Um, that's the first time I've been heard to say, well, you know, sometimes it's the business of the thing. They're actively seeking to do that, and they're going to have to get creative um, in order to do so. I was thinking about it on the way over uh, after our conversation this morning of, you know, does it have to be one or the other? The financials right now, the 2018 cap space would dictate that, but there's a potential that you could franchise tag one of them, whether it's Diggs or Barr next year, and maybe even, you know, that way be able to keep guys together for another year beyond that. So, I mean, beyond this season. So I think that there's there's reason to believe they can get it all done, but it certainly can't be all within this cap structure of 2018. Courtney Cronin from ESPN, from TCO Performance Center, Matthew Collar, 1500 ESPN, a five-year deal, $72 million dollars, for Daniil Hunter. And, you know, I, I keep thinking about this deal and how much he, he could have got on the open market. And, it, and it, it fascinates me that the Vikings have avoided these things recently. I mean, this isn't something new where it's like, oh, wow, someone signed a pretty cheap deal. You go back to Xavier Rhodes from last year, and then Everson Griffin signs a deal, Linval Joseph. It's very unique when you look around the league that they have all their players signing deals. They have all their players um, coming to the OTAs and the mini camps where a lot of other teams don't. And I think when we were talking earlier about where Mike Zimmer ranks as far as the coaches in the league, little things like that, I would factor in to what Mike Zimmer has meant to this organization overall. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's stability. 
team is in this off season is kind of you know for as much for as many moves as they made during the off season and arguably the biggest free, uh, free agent signing Kirk Cousins it's been very quiet uh, in the Twin Cities and that's something they have not they haven't had a drama free off season in so long I mean take it from the quarterback situation to Adrian Peterson a few years ago um, and some of the off the field stuff and years before that. This is the thing. This is a place where people want to be around each other. I remember Kirk Cousins talked about it. Uh, he, you know, congratulated Eric Kendricks shortly after that deal was signed, being like, "No, I'm glad you're here." And he's like, "Hey, man, like, I just want to continue. I want to win. I want to be here. I want to be on a championship caliber team." And the moves that they've made to bring guys in and keep guys and retain the talent that they have reflects that they've got the backing of this coaching staff and of this, you know, front office and ownership to continue pursuing that goal. And that's why I think you've got a really cohesive unit that is firing on all cylinders right now because everybody's on the same page, which, as you know, in in any professional sport, you don't often have that. So, Courtney, are we getting these uh, deals for Barr and Diggs? Are we getting them at training camp, you think? Or, you know, like, can I fit in another week of vacation sometime? I would really hope that it would not happen. (laughs) Let's just give us the 4th of July. Like, can I have the 4th of July? Sure. Because, what, Ravens report to camp, like, tomorrow or something? The 11th of July. So that's really when the NFL season's going to you know, stunk for, the, for uh, you know, coming back with 2018 in the preseason. But I would anticipate they're not done, uh, certainly not done before training camp. I think that we'll get one more in before training camp, and then, you know, very easily could see a franchise tag here next March. 